On this week's episode, we're making conversations about social selling count. What's new, Wendy Wu? Thanks to you lovely listeners, you've helped us get into the top 10% of global podcasts. That makes us as a team incredibly proud. So I'm going to just shout out to who those people are. Neil, Velio, we love you. Meg, for doing all of the content and the website behind the scenes. And to the lovely Joe who puts the transcripts together beautifully for us. So listeners, please continue to share and leave the reviews of what your favourite takeaways are. Other news this week in terms of my book again, when it comes to tips with the book This one is the simplest and it was from the lovely Sandra in Leicester who picked up the book and said that she was overwhelmed with where to start and right at the very beginning of the book it says start with 10. It was as simple as that Sandra and let me know how you get on with those 10. Now There are not many occasions where I feel like I have actually met my mirror. When I saw this lady's strapline, it was so close to my own, I had to reach out and start a conversation because she says she helps people turn that online connection into a real world conversation. So let's get straight into talking to the wonderful Bryn Tillman all about social selling. Now then, Bryn, you are what I would epitomise as the lady on LinkedIn that really advocates social selling. How on earth did you get into doing that? My whole career, I've been in sales or in sales training. And when I came across LinkedIn, I recognised it solved a big problem, which for me was I hated cold calling, even though I was in sales and I trained people how to be really good cold callers. It just did not make me, it did not bring me joy. And when I saw LinkedIn and it's one major superpower, which is the ability to search and filter our connections, connections. So I could see pathways to my buyer. I said, this is it. I'm obsessed. I'm in love. And I really now almost eight years ago, have been solely focused on training LinkedIn for social selling. But my social selling is very different than a lot, or at least definition is very different than a lot of other people's. I just want to start with social selling from my perspective is about building relationships, bringing value, sharing insights, understanding that the sale will come when the time is right. Yeah, I think that's a big one to remember, isn't it? That only 1%, is it, of people are going to be ready to buy your stuff today. So we really have 99% to nurture and who knows how long that will take. So it's a really good point to make it valuable. It's so in alignment with how I do things. It's about building relationships. I'm a cold call trainer. You know, I've been picking up the phone since 1989. I'm not ashamed of how old I am now. I think I've got some years on you. So I don't believe it. But it's one of those things, isn't it? That most people really hate that cold calling part because 
they, you know, they expect the sale and they wonder why they're not going to get it on that first call. We don't get married on the first date. So it's much the same thing. It's a long journey of getting to know one another and and that like, no trust relationship. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll rephrase. I love the call. I don't love the cold call. I love the warm call. Yes. I love the call when they already know who I am. When, you know, if they hear my name, they're excited to talk to me or they've actually scheduled it. So it's not, I think the phone or Zoom, wherever your calls are today, is absolutely foundational. In fact, everything we teach is to get you on the call. The difference is warming it up with LinkedIn first so that they're excited to be on that call with you. It's about managing expectations, isn't it? And creating a little familiarity. Yeah, absolutely. And credibility. Sure. In a lot of ways, it's earning the right to get that conversation. Yeah. Right. I, I have had clients say to me, I don't understand why they won't take my call. I can bring so much value to them, even if they don't work with me. And the reason they don't take the call is because they don't know that yet. All they heard was that you want to take a call to sell them. That's their perception. You didn't earn the right. They don't recognize yet, if they're not taking your call, that there's real value in that call for them. And when we can do that, when we can get them to lean in and say, boy, I want more of that, they schedule the call. And it takes time, doesn't it? We have to to put the effort in to what it is that we're doing in our social networks to make sure that we are connecting and that we are actually offering the right kind of messages that would make them go, oh, well, that's the person that I'm going to need when the time is right. Exactly. When the time is right. That's exactly right. The conversation shouldn't start with what you do. So one of the mistakes people make in social selling is they connect and pitch, which I think is a right? Yeah. Oh, notorious. Just stop doing it. Yeah. Exactly. And, And so I look at it like if you were in a trade show lobby or conference or a networking meeting, I wouldn't walk up to you and say, hey, Wendy, I'm Bryn Tillman. I help companies just like yours. That is not the first thing that you'd say. You'd look at me cross-eyed going, you're out of left field. This is a little inappropriate, but we do it on LinkedIn all the time. And it's a problem, right? It's the same human being on the other side of the message as they are on the other side of the table. So we should have conversations that are normal in real life conversations, it will lead to a conversation about your solution at one point or another. It always does, but it shouldn't start there. No, it's that human to human interaction, isn't it? That gets lost online. I say to people, you know, your profile on LinkedIn is like the suit or the dress that you wear when you walk into a room. So if your profile isn't fantastic, you know, if you haven't sort of polished your shoes, got matching shoes and handbag, if you're the ladies, then that impression is what you're going to leave. Yeah. And it's interesting if you're in a business development role, like your job is to get more conversations for sales, which I think probably most people listening have some connection to that. Your profile should not be a resume. It should be a resource so that when they show up, 
again, not telling them constantly how you can help them, but actually helping them. Let them test drive you a little bit. Your profile has a job. That job is to earn the right for them to want to have the call. So when they get there, I want them to resonate, go, ooh, he or she works with people like me. Create curiosity. So they lean in and go, this is interesting. Teach them something new. If you don't say anything new to them, why would they take your call, right? Like teach them something new. That gets them thinking differently about their current situations. They go, hmm, I never thought about that in my business, right? The last one is a call to action. Make it compelling. Let them know what to do next. Sometimes it's really hard to think of something new because we we do feel oversaturated with information, don't we? How do you make this ball bearing seem sexy? You know, because it's a ball bearing. Or how do I make this pen more attractive? But sometimes it doesn't have to be something new. We sometimes just need to remind people of something fundamental that they've forgotten because they've fallen into. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so that's a really good point. And, you know, it could be the risks of, so, you know, you have this pen, you know, that you're selling and whether, you know, you have to look at why is your buyer buying? Is it longevity? Is it color? Is it price? Is it a commodity or do you have this special pen that, you know, gets more contract signed, right? Whatever that is about your pen there are two types of teaching, right? So there's teaching about the benefits, right? Like, and without saying, hey, my pen does this, but you know, a really good pen, you should expect this, this, and this, or the risks of having a bad pen. So, or, uh, you know, your bowl bearing, right? If you have not put oil on your bowl bearing in the last 30 days, these are the risks you might face, right? So, it sounds so silly, but ultimately it's either build the dream of what it might look like or identify the pain that happens if you don't make a change. That's what gets them compelled to take action. I agree 100%. Now, conversations, what the show's all about, and clearly you are all about conversation, Bryn. So that's fantastic. What was the impact when you can't have that conversation yourself. How do you handle not being able to impart the information that you want to because you want to have a conversation with somebody? How do you overcome that? I'll give you a real life story. Rob Curley is a commercial lender at TD Bank, which is a big bank here in the States, in the North and in Canada. And I wanted a conversation with him for years and I just could not get in. On LinkedIn, I recognized that we had a shared connection, Rob Petkoff, who was my client. And I asked my client, how do you know Rob Curley? And he said, our boys were both juvenile diabetics and we've been in the same group since they were young. I'm like, I want to get in front of him so badly. Can you help me? He made an introduction and within 20 minutes, I had an appointment. And when I asked Rob Curley, why'd you take my call this time? He said, because if Petkov asked me to do it, I'm doing it. I love that guy, right? Leveraging your shared connections brings you in at a very high level of credibility. So that's number one. If you don't have that, if you don't have a shared connection that you can leverage, start engaging with them on their content, the content they're sharing, you know, starting a conversation. We're advocating value, not stalking here, aren't we, Bryn? <laughs> well, maybe a little of both. Um, 
Um, so it's purposeful engagement, right? So I'll go and I'll go to their profile. I'll click on see all activity and their posts and I'll engage appropriately. I read the post. Don't just like everything and move on because that would be a little stalkish. But if you actually thoughtfully read it and engage, now here's where the conversation, now people go, okay, now what, how do I get the conversation? Well, in this particular case, I look at the topic that my prospect has now shared and cared enough about to put a post out about it. And I'm going to go find a like a article or blog post or podcast that ha- about the same topic. So now I'm going to start the conversation around, Wendy, loved the post that you shared on emotional intelligence. Not sure if you heard the podcast from Larry Levine, and the, but if you're you know on emotional and whatever it is, right? If you're interested, let me know. I'm happy to send you a link. So now I'm going to start a conversation around the topic you care about. So you've moved the conversation from a public forum. You're encouraging them into the direct messaging function to be able to start that conversation in private. Love it. And, and it's about the topic they care about, not what you want to talk about, yeah. what they want to consume. That's how we start real conversations. And the, the psychology behind that really, Bryn, is that you've cared enough to actually show that you care not just about them, but their topic. You also have an interest in that topic because there's usually something that you can add to that, isn't there, by saying, I get really passionate about this sort of thing. And I know lots, and that you, you know, that passion comes through because you just can't string the sentence together. <laughs> right. Well, you get to edit it before you hit send, but that's good. <laughs> yeah. Unless, um, like me, you send lots of voice messages because I love to send voice messages because I think that I like also, yeah, yeah, because I think that also goes, actually, this person doesn't sound dangerous. You know, they sound passionate. Well, they also sound human. Genuinely wanting to, to help and send me this thing in a link. Yeah. But I actually often will ask permission to send the link. Yes. So instead of saying, Wendy, here's the link to the podcast, you know, here podcast on the same topic. I really loved it because of this, this, and this. If you're interested, let me know, send the link. Because it's a conversation when it's two ways. If I send the link, we're done. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. But if you, yeah. you now have to say, sure, thanks. Okay. Right. If you want it now, and, and clearly it's a topic you're interested in. So there's a high probability you'll say, sure. Now we have a conversation going. It's a back and forth, right? It's And so I think it's really important to ask that permission. It also feels a lot less spammy when you're asking permission to send the link. Would you schedule like a follow-up? Because, you know, somebody like me, if I was to be sent a link, I would always say, yeah, I'll have a look. I'm always interested in, you know, new things. But I may not get to just like open the link and have time to just watch it or read whatever it is. So it could be that late at night or early in the morning around the working hours, I will, you know, bookmark it and, and go back to it later. Would you recommend that you sort of make a note and follow it up a few days later and go, hey, did you get a chance to read that? What did you think? Yeah. And I would even go, what did you think about and get granular inside of that blog post? Wow. Like, okay. you know, so I, so it doesn't feel like, hey, I'm following up, right? It's a little more conversational. So take something from it. 
The other thing that I would tend to do, I mean, and there's a lot of different ways to engage in a lot of different places, but I would now, if I found this one great article that I think this person is interested in, I'll find lots more people that would be interested in that article. My follow-up would be on 20 or 30 people potentially, and I might do a poll. So I may do a poll on what do you think, what is the number one priority, the most important element of emotional intelligence, whatever that is, right? In the workplace, A, B, C, D. Now I'm going to go out to these people who like this topic, right? And and I may have found them, these 20 or 30 people, all in comments around that topic. Like there's so many ways to do this, but now I reach out and I get them to answer a poll. And when you ask their point of view in a poll after you've already engaged, now we not only know what they're interested in, but we're hyper-focused now on what their priority is. So we can have additional, you know, I noticed you voted on communication is the number one, whatever it is. I don't know much about that topic, right? But I you notice communication is the most important. I'd love to jump on a call and share some insights around that. That might be helpful to you. If you're open, let me know. I'll send you a link to my calendar. You know, and we've already had four or five back and forths that at this point we've earned the right. Even I've learned something, Bryn. I think there's lots to be said for content strategy. I'm a bit of a fly off the hip kind of girl. I try to have a general running theme. I know roughly on this day, I'll do this and that and then, but that's about as joined up as it ever gets. (laughs) The magic is in the inbox. It's not in the newsfeed. No, that's right. That newsfeed can turn into a really busy inbox, can't it? If you strategize it well. Well, so... Interesting. The newsfeed is the long game. The inbox is the short game. That's a good way of looking at it, actually, isn't it? And is it true? Because there's lots of different people that, that use LinkedIn lots and say, you know, they're an expert and they teach it. But I think everybody teaches it from their own perspective or from their own background of using it. So for me, LinkedIn is about creating a great impression so that people want to have a conversation with you, whereas, you know, some others will be all about the content and making sure that people reach out and buy from you than you going out to market. There's there's so many different strategies out there. What would your opinion be on that the inbox is stacked with the algorithm that if you have a busy inbox that actually LinkedIn recognizes that you are an active user. So the more that you can use your inbox, the more reward you'll get from the algorithm. Is that just a fallacy or does- I've never heard that. Yeah. I I don't know. I I mean, I know a lot about the algorithm around newsfeed. I've never heard about the algorithm around inbox. So I will research. There's a ton around news, you know, the newsfeed and the content and the engagement and the timing and the hashtags and the types of media that you're uploading and how many people you've engaged with that will see your content. So there's a, a lot that goes into the newsfeed algorithm. That's interesting if they're like, I'm not sure like the inbox, if there is an inbox algorithm, how does that favor? Does that favor your newsfeed? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what the algorithm is that you've heard. Because the way that I always think about LinkedIn is that it might be algorithm driven, but it was built by humans. So everything that LinkedIn is designed around is as a human psychological thought process to get you to engage better. 
bit like when you send an invitation to somebody, it prompts you, send a note, but send now. You right, know? right, right, right. That really LinkedIn are kind of saying you should really send a note, right? I wish they just open up note because I think you should always send a note. Yes, but, they used yeah. to though, didn't they? And then you could click a box to go to, to bypass that. Yeah. They changed that. So it made it easier to send now, which makes me sad. But algorithm to me is how your content is found or seen. I don't know what in how inbox would relate, but I don't know everything for sure. So no, um, I just wondered if because there's traffic, you know, messages going backwards and forwards. Where would it reward you? I, I, I'm not sure if that rewards you with finding the right people. You know, when LinkedIn has suggested leads for you. Yeah, that I hate too. I don't take much notice of that section. To be well, so here's the problem is they'll tell you don't connect with people you don't know. Then they send you hundreds of people that you can click exactly. to connect without a note. And then they say, oh, no, you've sent too many invitations. Now. And then they send you, right. So, <laughs> yeah. So so the system, I think, is a little bit broken on that. I think I'm going to I'm going to lean into the fact that it is still designed by humans. <laughs> so that makes it. And it's very clear that it is. Yeah. <laughs> And by a collection of humans that probably weren't in the same room at the same time. So. <laughs> they clearly don't use any other project management tool like you know, <laughs> to be able to stick <laughs> Oh, Bryn, if we can't laugh about it. In your domain, you know, and helping people with LinkedIn and, and showing them training, do you see value in, because everything that I've always done and how I've learned LinkedIn has been free. Do you see value in paying for the platform with all of the changes that are going on at the moment? I absolutely love Sales Navigator, but it's like a gym membership, right? Most people join, they go for the first few weeks and then they stop and they pay every month and never show up. You got to show up, right? There's no magic button. There's no pixie dust. There's no... And you have to know when it's leg day and when it's arm day. And like, you have to have a cadence and a routine and a system like anything in sales. But Sales Navigator is incredibly powerful on many levels. But to piggyback on one of the things we talked about today, one of the things I love is when you save leads and save accounts inside of Sales Navigator. So you tell Sales Navigator, I'm interested in this lead. There is a custom homepage that when that lead shares content, your whole homepage, your whole newsfeed in Sales Navigator is custom to only the people you've saved. So 100%, yeah, 100% of that newsfeed is content that you should be engaging on. It's very cool. And of course, we all moan about dead scrolling because our feed is full of stuff. Yeah. And this is, has great filters too. So if you want to see lead shares. So only the things that your leads shared, you can see that in one place. So it's very valuable for engaging. It's probably one of the most powerful and fast features to convert a connection to a conversation. Conversation's got to be important for everything that you've ever done. But we've got to the part of the show, I think, where I need to ask you, about that one conversation that created a turning point for you, Bryn, and what happened next? A turning point, I'm going to actually take it away from sales for a second and turn it to bringing in Bill McCormick as our CSO and and head trainer. He was training a little bit of LinkedIn, but really owned a business with his wife. And one of his clients 
wanted some sales navigator training and he didn't have sales navigator, didn't know how to do it. And he, he went into a couple of groups on LinkedIn and said, you know, I'm looking for some assistance in this. And so in, through people mentioning my name, I reached out, we had a conversation, recognized he was doing some good things that could be great. And he was looking to scale. And because of our network and, and it was through people we were able to find each other, you know, he's totally different state, totally different area. And we were able to come together and now we're, he's been with me for almost three years and we've, you know, really taken the company to a whole other level. And I couldn't have done that without people recommending me on LinkedIn to have a conversation with him. And so, you know, I mean, there's so many, I could talk about the TD conversation. I could talk about, I got Aramark. They were looking on LinkedIn for a social selling trainer. I reached out and they said, you're too small. We need a bigger company. And then I saw we had a shared connection who um, was a marketing professor at Rutgers, which is a university in New Jersey. I reached out to her and she said, oh, I was her marketing professor. I'll talk to her. She actually took her to lunch and said, you have to meet Bryn, even if you don't hire her. So they brought me in and they loved my perspective and hired me. It could never have, I was already told no, but I leveraged my network. So, I mean, I could go on and on. There are so many stories like that. And I I would say though, Bryn, that in those examples that you've given, it's not necessarily about your network. These are about the relationships that you've made with people. So right at the bottom of my profile, it says, do you have the same philosophy as me? It's not what you know. It's not who you know. It's what you know about them. Mm, Share that philosophy, then you will always be able to help. And I say regularly to people, if there's somebody in my network that we mutually know, and if I can help you, chances are I do know them because I do make that concerted effort to get to know everybody because then, you know, I know who to recommend to who. So that's great. That's so valuable. Well, it is. And and where are you today? So it's taken you, taken the company from three years ago. How many were you in the company? So three years ago, there were two of us and now we're at nine. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Onwards and upwards for Bryn and uh, social selling. Yay. Yeah, and we're able to really scale and serve clients, both entrepreneurs through our monthly membership and e-learning to, you know, huge enterprise clients. So it's been great. And I love how a conversation can really take a turning point for you. Usually yeah. and it delivers just when you need it, doesn't it? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> so Bryn, I know that you've got your creator mode on, on LinkedIn. I'm guessing- I go back and forth. I was watching it earlier and I thought, oh, that's really cool. How has she done that? <laughs> oh, you mean the cover story? Yeah, you, yeah, yes. Oh, so yeah. cover story is the little video. Creator mode is a different feature, but yeah. What's cover- all that about then, Bryn? Because I thought yeah. that was the same thing. Is that something it's, different? I know, it's so confusing. So cover story is a 30-second video that goes behind your, your headshot. Creator mode changes the order of your profile so that all of your content comes before the, or, you know, your, your activity and your featured section is before any text. And it will also show how many followers you have. And it changes you from connect button to follow button. 
I don't love creator mode. I love cover story. There's so much muddy waters around this new. They're not, yeah. It's good that we can share it here. Oh, Bryn, thank you so much. I could just continue asking you lots and lots of questions, but I think we are about out of time. So when everybody listens to this and they want to reach out and carry on the conversation, is LinkedIn the only place that they can find you? Well, LinkedIn is the primary piece that they can find me, certainly. And and that's uh, where I'm most responsive. You can also join our community at linkedinlibrary.com. And there's a community there where we answer questions. And so if you have questions, that's a great place to go. It's totally free. Brilliant. I will go and search that out myself. Yay. So now you all know why I was tongue-tied talking to Bryn, because she really is a font of all knowledge. She's put together a letter for you, the listeners, which is over on the makingconversationscount.com website. There's also access to her downloads and resources membership, which is absolutely fantastic. I can vouch for it. I headed over there to have a look. And my goodness, there is tons and tons of stuff. Please do take up Bryn's offer to join her with through her social selling link. Until next time where we have the lovely Ruth Driscoll joining us. The important thing is recognising it's not your job to rescue people.